0: A group of congressmen have floated a proposal to create an America First Caucus in the House of Representatives. The uh, caucus got the platform right here. A fairly modest endeavor to defend the American nation, to defend the quote, Anglo-Saxon political tradition, and notably to oppose ugly architecture in federal buildings. Sounds great to me. Sign me up, right? Well, you understand some liberals have called it racist. Now, I know this will come as a shock to you. They never do that sort of thing. And I know this is going to come as a shock to you as well. Republican leadership went squishy, caved. They're running away from it as fast as they can. But you know what? The Anglo-Saxon political tradition is a wonderful thing. And ugly architecture is a very bad thing. And we will get into all of the America First Caucus policy platform, even if the squishes won't. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment from Friday is from Top10Guy1, who says, uh, he is now channeling Dr. Fauci. He says, Americans will get their freedoms back once I am no longer able to keep moving the goalposts. Right. I think that's an insightful read of Dr. Fauci. The problem is he seems always to be able to move the goalposts. He's now even wading into political matters that have not even the most tenuous relationship to so-called public health. We will certainly get into all of that, but I I would say if you're, if you're hoping for, for the Fauci public health dictatorship to let up anytime soon, I, I would not hold my breath. I think it's far wiser to be prepared. And when you want to be prepared, you got to check out ReadyWise. No question about it. Now is a better time than ever to be prepared with long-term nutritional food options. ReadyWise has many options, such as emergency meals, freeze-dried fruits and vegetables for convenient on-the-go nutrition, new adventure meals for hiking, camping, and other outdoor activities. ReadyWise makes being prepared simple and affordable. You order online, you have nutritious meals shipped directly to your doorstep. It is really important to be prepared for you and your family in the event of an emergency. If the last year, more than a year, has not taught you that, I don't know what will. I can't help you. Go Get ReadyWise today. It's so simple. You just need four cups of water. You can. You don't need, the Water doesn't even need to be hot. In some cases, you can prepare the meals right in the package. That eliminates the need for additional supplies. Give yourself peace of mind. This week, my listeners can get 10% off at ReadyWise.com when entering Knowles 10 at checkout or by calling 855-453-2945. ReadyWise has a 30-day, no-questions-asked return policy. There is no risk in taking the initiative to get you and your family prepared today. That is ReadyWise, R-E-A-D-Y-W-I-S-E, com, promo code NOLLS10 to get 10% off. The America First Caucus Policy Platform. Here it is. I have this document. I, am I even allowed to possess this now? Because I'm told it's racist, bigoted, nativist. That's a, that's a fun word. Nativist, awful, terrible. Okay. First of all, we begin with the name, America First. Lots of confusion about this name, America First. They say this refers to White supremacists, or something. The the term America First has existed in US politics for a very, very long time. And sure, sometimes the phrase has been uttered by unsavory characters, but much more often it's been uttered by very savory characters. I don't know. That seems strange to call people savory. The most famous iteration of America First was the America First Committee which all the libs say was terrible and racist and thisist and thatist, the America First Committee going back, you know, I guess almost a century now, 80 years, included William F. Buckley Jr., included John F. Kennedy, included Gerald Ford, two presidents. Well, that can't be that bad, huh? Potter Stewart, the Supreme Court Justice, Frank Lloyd Wright, speaking of architecture, lots and lots of people. This was a broadly isolationist group in the United States, but as you can tell, it it cut across party lines and it was isolationist given a particular time period. The phrase was then next made famous again by President Donald Trump. You know, he said, America first, that's going to be our credo. That's going to be our rallying cry. All right. So what does the platform actually say? you know, it's like an eight or nine page platform. I recommend you go check it out yourselves, but Here are the main points. Election fraud is bad and uh, Republicans and Democrats have pointed out for years that there are vulnerabilities to the election process. So we want to implement a national voter ID. This is extremely popular across all Americans, including every demographic group. Uh, They want to uh, look into uh, curtailing mail-in voting. Yep. They want to look into uh, fraud allegations from 2020, such as, just just to give an example, uh, the least controversial example, the state of Pennsylvania violating its own state constitution because the election officials wanted to give an advantage to Democrats. Okay. Makes perfect sense. Next bullet point, sovereignty. America was founded on the basis of individual and state sovereignty. Yup. At the federal level, it means we need to expose deep state actors, shrink the regulatory state and eliminate thousands of regulations and indeed entire bureaucracies. That's just basically conservative boilerplate. Nothing controversial there. Big tech, Big tech firms have become the most powerful arbiters of information in history, and we've got to be able to do something about that, starting with Section 230. Yep, we've been talking about that for years at this point. Immigration, uh, the America First Caucus recognizes that our country is more than a mass of consumers or a series of abstract ideas. It's a nation with a border and a culture. Yep, and here's the line that got them in trouble. With a common respect for uniquely Anglo-Saxon political traditions. Yeah, that's all true. That's all true. And we'll we'll get into this Anglo-Saxon term that the libs and the squishes are trying to make a big deal over. But of course, everyone agrees with that point on immigration. Every conservative agrees with that point. Infrastructure. uh, They say they want beautiful architecture, not hideous architecture. Yup, sign me up. If that were the only plank, I would sign up to join this this caucus. Foreign aid. uh, They're generally opposed to foreign aid, um, but it's not, they're not even saying we need a total End to it. They're just saying, America, quote, American tax dollars should not go toward teaching gender studies in Pakistan. <laughs> I, I agree with that. Yep. Um, so, yeah, they're basically against foreign aid, but there's a little nuance there. National security, uh, they oppose the uh, liberal imperialists, the sort of Wilsonian neoconservative. Yep, a lot of conservatives agree with that. Coronavirus, uh, that this has uh, been a big power grab. Yep. Trade, we need to get fairer trade. Yep, totally makes sense. Environment, uh, we we want to protect our environment, um, but we don't want to, you know, make an idol out of it. Yep, makes sense. Energy. Yeah, I mean, this is all, what, the Chinese Communist Party is bad. American education should not be geared toward hating America. It's like totally common sense stuff. No conservative could, could disagree with very much of this platform. Okay. But let's get to the most controversial point, the Anglo-Saxon political tradition. When I read that, I didn't bat an eye, Uh, of course. Of course, America has an Anglo-Saxon political tradition. I say this as someone who derives from the Italians. The Italian people did not found Plymouth Colony. The Italian people did not make up the Continental Congress. Okay. There's obviously an English political tradition here. But this term Anglo-Saxon, it's elicited lots of, this is the dog whistle. Kevin McCarthy, the, the leader of the house, the, the Republican leader in the house, says it's a nativist dog whistle. Let's turn to an actual conservative, Antonin Scalia, who not that long ago, about 15 years ago, was, was asked about the American political tradition. He used exactly the same words, I want to bring you the brilliance, the wit of Antonin Scalia in full.
1: Diversity alone is, is, is not what makes a great nation. I mean, uh, diversity alone makes uh, uh, some of the tribal societies of the world that, uh, uh, that never quite make it, uh, such as some of the uh, places in the Middle East where we're trying to uh, uh, establish na- nationhood. Um, as I said earlier, it's, it's part of our tradition that everybody can be an American but there has been a common uh, a, a, a common culture. Yeah, what, you don't have to belong to it, but there has been that. What, the, is the what is it? What is it? The what fra- is it? Well, okay, you you want to know what
2: it is number 1? Yeah. Okay. Is there a bond? Is there a common culture? I
1: think well, let me tell you a story. <laughs> My junior year college I studied in Switzerland and I used to get really annoyed when the uh, the French Swiss professors I had would refer constantly to les pays anglo-sax, the Anglo-Saxon countries, uh, meaning England, the United States, Australia, New Zealand, okay, Canada. I said, you know, hey, my name is Scalia, and I'm as American as anybody. Look at this face. Is this an Anglo-Saxon face? I had never been in England, but at the end of my year, I went to England, and I felt at home. There is, there is no doubt that American culture, American common culture, which nobody has to belong to, originates with English culture. And that includes Shakespeare. It includes nursery rhymes that we all know and that we use as examples. That's our common culture. And I think the framers recognized that. Uh, and uh, diversity fine, but diversity does not make a nation.
0: Diversity does not make a nation. Unity makes a nation. (laughs) Not saying that it's only one particular type of people. Scalia makes this point. I could make the very same point. We we look a little swarthy, don't we, for the Anglo-Saxon people? And yet, this political tradition that we have is Anglo-Saxon. That's just the way that it is. People now are quibbling over all these sorts of little terms, and they're saying it's that this is a pagan reference. I actually heard someone say that it was the Anglo-Saxons refer to pagans and uh, Saint Ethelbert would, would firmly disagree with you, I think, because he was the king of the Anglo-Saxons converted to Christianity in the year 601, 400 years, more than 400 years before the Norman conquest. It's all, I think, disingenuous stuff. It's all disingenuous stuff to deny the real political tradition in this country, which really does come from a specific place from England. And we want to pretend that it doesn't. And we want to pretend that, oh, it's just all universal. And it's all just an idea floating in outer space. And, you know, America could just as easily have come from, from the Timbuktu political tradition as it did from the United Kingdom. And that just simply is not true. Moreover, we have an America First caucus here which is explicitly not a racial identitarian group and it's being accused of being a racial identitarian group. These, the congressmen who are pushing it, Paul Gosar or some of the other people. But we do have racial identitarian congressional caucuses. We have the Congressional Black Caucus. Congressional Black Caucus, exclusively racial, supports leftist policies totally okay. Congressional Hispanic Caucus, exclusively racial, supports leftist policies Okay. America First Caucus, racially inclusive, likes the actual American political tradition and hates ugly architecture. Bigoted race is terrible, you gotta get rid of it. It's so disingenuous. I I just can't even take it anymore. <laughs> I don't I, I oppose racial hatred because that's an offense against hu- human dignity. That's it. So if I know that, then I don't need to worry about some disingenuous leftists calling me a racist. It just doesn't bother me. But so many Republican leaders, it's like this magical incantation. The minute you even suggest Ray, -ray," the minute they'll run, they'll, they'll say, I'll give you whatever you want, please. I'm Kevin McCarthy. Please, I'll disavow the entire American political tradition. Totally pathetic. If you want to protect yourself against all sorts of terrible things, you got to check out Ring. So much is going on at our front doors these days. That is something that has only gotten crazier for me because of my cute little bundle of joy, my newborn son. So you got people coming and they're delivering all sorts of stuff, right? They're delivering food. Oh, that's great. You know, and they're delivering toys and clothing and that's great. And then they're, they're delivering people. You know, sometimes some friends and family, okay. And then some, maybe some in-laws and you think maybe I want to keep that door closed. All I'm saying is, if you have a ring, you can know who is outside your door before you open that door. You can be in your bedroom. You can be at the office. You can be on a beach on the other side of the world. With a ring, you'll be able to know who is at your doorstep. Even if they don't ring the doorbell, with motion detection, you'll get a notification. Go check it out today. This really makes me feel safe when I travel. I know that sweet little Elise and cute little June are all safe. Uh, it also makes a great housewarming present. Do not wait. Get a special offer on the Ring Welcome Kit at ring.com slash Comes with Ring's Video Doorbell 3 and Chime Pro. The perfect way to start your Ring experience: go to ring.com/noles. That is ring.com/noles. By the standards of today's Republican Party, Antonin Scalia is a far-right fascist, nativist. <laughs> I don't know. I, I have to get to the Kevin McCarthy line. He says, "Quote: The Republican Party is the party of Lincoln and the party of more opportunity for all Americans, not nativist dog whistles." What does nativist mean? What do, we hear that term a lot. What does nativist mean? It means that you have a, I suppose, an inclination or a, a preference or you have the interests of the people born in this country beyond over the people who are not born in this country who want to come in here. Does nati- nativist, I get, it's not a racial thing, right? We have people of all sorts of races in, in America who are born here who are native to America. It means that you think maybe we should reduce immigration a little bit. It means maybe you think we should not have a totally open border. It means maybe you think that if we take 2 million foreigners in every single year, way, 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 way more than anywhere else in the world, way, way, way more than most Americans want. Polls show that The majority of Americans want to dramatically reduce not just illegal immigration, but legal immigration too. If you think that, if you are one of the majority of Americans of all races and different political stripes, then you're a nativist according, not to some radical leftist, according to Kevin McCarthy, the leader of the Republican party with Republicans like this, who needs Democrats? Who needs Democrats? It's absolutely pathetic. Gotta stop letting the left dictate the terms of this conversation. Th- there is nothing wrong with advocating a lower level of immigration. As Antonin Scalia says very well, diversity is a fine thing, but it does not make a nation. Unity makes a nation. And if you want to bring other people in, I suppose that's fine. Nations have immigration. Generally, Western nations have way more immigration than non-Western nations. And America has the most immigration of all fine. You want to bring some people in? That's great. But if you can't assimilate them, then immigration is weakening your nation. And that's that. That's all there is to it. What is that common bond? It's what Scalia and all those guys were debating. The common thread that holds America together, they say, well, it's not a people. It's not a, is it a faith? Is it a, is it a language? I don't know. Increasingly, we don't even speak the same language. If we have nothing holding us together, then we're not a nation. Now we're not even allowed to acknowledge our actual political tradition. They are denying the, the, the actual history of the United States and of England for that matter. Bad situation. It's a crisis, you might call it. Even Joe Biden might call it a crisis. Joe Biden has assiduously avoided speaking to reporters really at all, but specifically on this issue of immigration, he's avoided the word crisis. He's now slipped a Freudian slip for Uncle Joe is when he accidentally says what he means. Joe referred to the crisis at the Southern border.
2: And if on the refugee so he's walking to his
0: car, kind of hard to hear him with that mask. There it is though, crisis, working on that crisis. This is probably why Joe loves the mask so much is so that people can't hear all of the nonsense that he spouts. I heard crisis. Sorry. Sorry, Buster. Of course, it's a crisis at the Southern border. Nobody thinks that's a good thing. It's bad for America. Frankly, it's bad for the people who are trying to pour over here. It's totally lawless. It's anti-democratic. You're violating the laws that were democratically enacted. It's wrong. It's wrong to do that sort of thing. But if you say that, I guess you're a nativist. Isn't that terrible to be a nativist? These words, these words that people just use, that they throw around, that I don't think really have much meaning at all anymore. And yet we live in such fear of them. We're still, we're a country that lives in neurotic fear. That's why we're all wearing these stupid masks, even a year later, more than a year after 15 days to slow the spread. After we flattened the curve, after we found a cure, after Most people have gotten the vaccine. Virtually everyone has access to it. Ron DeSantis made this point the other day in Florida. He was not wearing a mask. His staffers around him were not wearing a mask. He was asked about the lockdown rules and the masks. He had a great answer. If you get immunized, you ought to act immunized. My view is, is, you know, if you you get a vaccine, the
1: vaccines are effective, you're immune. And so act immune. Uh, If you tell people the opposite, then gee, you know, why, if it's not effective for them and it's not going to
0: change anything, then what's the point of, of going through it? Doesn't make much sense, does it? No. And Ron DeSantis, you've got to give this guy credit. He is, he has opened up his state for what, a year now or something. <laughs> he opened it up basically before anybody else and stuck to his guns on this. And the state's done very well. It's done a lot better than California. Though DeSantis was not the first. Republican leader to make this point. Uh, actually, Senator Cruz, just uh, was it, two or three weeks ago, he did not wear a mask to this press conference. And a lot of people around him were wearing those masks. A lot of Republicans around him were wearing those masks. And the reporter said, you need to wear your mask. And he said, I don't think so. I took the shot.
3: Uh,
0: yeah. When I'm talking to the TV camera, I'm not going to wear a mask. And all of us have been immunized. So uh, you're welcome to step away if you like. The whole, the whole point of a vaccine, CDC guidance is what we're following. Yeah, you're welcome to step away if you want, <laughs> but I've been immunized and so I'm not going to wear that dumb mask. And now Senator Cruz just isn't wearing it anywhere on Capitol Hill. And I think that's absolutely terrific. Where are the rest of the Republican leaders on this? I just, I can't, I, I don't get it. I don't get why the GOP would spend its time sniping right and calling anybody who wants to reduce immigration and have beautiful architecture and acknowledge our political tradition, call them nativists, insinuate that they're bigots when you've got the left running roughshod over our political tradition, over our liberties, over our way of life. it's the wheat from the chaff. You got guys like Cruz, you got guys like DeSantis who stand firm, and then you've got people like Kevin McCarthy. I hope that guy, changes his tune real fast because it's pathetic. And he, you know, in the in the last squish battle, you had Kevin McCarthy versus Liz Cheney, who is probably the worst of the worst in the House of Representatives. And Kevin McCarthy took the more conservative position, defended President Trump, didn't snipe right all the time against Liz Cheney. But now McCarthy seems to be running away. Don't do it, man. It's not too late. Come on, you can grab your spine and stand with the conservatives. It's not too late. I'm not saying we've got to cast Kevin McCarthy into outer darkness, but just come on. You know, we talk a lot about various gender reassignment surgery here and affixing different appendages. Do it. (laughs) You know, that would be one good use of those sort of, sort of surgeries. The public health dictatorship is not going anywhere. It's not, Dr. Fauci is, is totally honest about this. I rarely would say Dr. Fauci is honest, but he is being honest at least about his, his desire to maintain power. Dr. Fauci goes on TV, people are getting the vaccine, they have access to the vaccine. And he's asked, how long do we have to keep the masks on? And he says, well, you know, just a little while
2: longer. Why does a vaccinated person have to wear a mask? Okay, this is something that as we get more information, it's going to be pulling back that you won't have to, but currently the reason is that when you get vaccinated, you are clearly diminishing dramatically your risk of getting infected. That's one of the things we've got to make sure everybody understands, you dramatically diminish it. However, what happens is that you might get infected and get absolutely no symptoms, not know you're infected, And then inadvertently go into a situation with vulnerable people. And if you don't have a mask, you might inadvertently infect them. Now, there's a small risk of that, but it's there.
0: There's a small risk of that, but it could happen. And so wear the mask, sheep. (laughs) That's just what he keeps coming back to. He he is making it as clear as a dishonest, disingenuous bureaucrat can make it. That they're just not going to let up. They're just going to impose their whims on you forever, forever. Because the principle that we have granted to Dr. Fauci and the other high priests of progressivism wearing the cassock of the lab coat is that, look, our constitutional liberties, our our American political tradition, that's all well and good until a cough breaks out. And then all of a sudden we have to give all of our power to Fauci. So even when Fauci says, okay, you can, okay, you can let up a little bit on the masks. We're still acknowledging that he has the power to impose whatever rules he wants because he, in his wisdom, recognizes that the the most important thing in life is not getting a cough. That is a political revolution. Ben Shapiro is going to be talking about political revolutions today on the real insurrection going on. By the way, Backstage is going to be back tomorrow, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, you know, it's almost time for another episode of Candace. This week's special guest is Dana White, president of the Ultimate Fighting Championship, which is the largest MMA organization in the world. The show streams on Fridays at 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central, only on dailywire.com. You can get 25% off a new membership with code Candice. Get the audio podcast Candace on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you need some Candace Owens in your podcast feed, look no further. Head on over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify and subscribe today. Be sure to leave a five-star review. If you like what you hear, we'll be back with a lot more. Dr. Fauci says, even if you've been vaccinated, you've got to keep your mask on because there's a very, very infinitesimally small chance that even though you're immune to coronavirus, you could carry it and infect somebody else. Do you see the problem though with his logic here? The vaccine is available to just about everybody. We can all get the vaccine. I have not gotten the vaccine. Many, pe- many of my friends have gotten the vaccine. I have, it, it's not that I have not gotten the vaccine because it's, an, uh, it's not available to me. It is available to me. I've made a calculation of my risk from the coronavirus. The data and the science show I'm not particularly at risk. So I just don't see any need to get it. I don't get the flu shot either. Just, I I don't, I don't worry about that kind of thing too much. Not, it's not at the top of my priority list. Okay. So Dr. Fauci is now telling people that even if they've gotten the vaccine, they need to wear a mask to protect me because I haven't received the vaccine. So I could still be infected if they're carrying it. But I'm here to tell you, Dr. Fauci, don't do it on my account. Don't do it for me, buddy. Obviously I don't worry too much about that. That's why I haven't gotten the vaccine. So if the vaccine is available to everybody, this excuse that we've got to continue to mask and lock down and, and upend our whole culture for the, the poor people who, who might be infected by it, It falls apart. The vaccine is available, but he doesn't want to let up on this because he doesn't really care about our political traditions and our political liberties, as he told Joy Reid on MSNBC the other night.
2: Congressman Jordan mentioned the people of Ohio. I care very much for the people of Ohio. I don't want to see them get sick or die because we have 560,000 Americans that have died so far. So we're looking at it from different perspectives. I'm looking at it from a public health perspective, And he was talking about the infringement upon liberties. Right now, what we need to do is get this pandemic behind us. And we will do that. And it will not be an indefinite period of time. It will not be an indefinite. It'll be two weeks to slow this, bro.
0: Whoops. Oh, I forgot. I forgot it's been a year. (laughs) Give me a break. It won't be indefinite. It'll just be however long I want it to be, says Dr. Fauci. I, I love, too, the way he poses this. He says, look, it's just two different perspectives. Jim Jordan, he's looking at it from the perspective of, our, of the law and civil liberties and our political tradition and our whole culture. But I'm looking at it from the perspective of public health. And it's such a demagogic way to put it. But what he's, what he's really saying, Fauci, the reason he's confident enough to say this, is that he knows that the American political tradition and our liberties are politically incorrect now. And that the cult of public health is the ascendant religion in America, the cult of secular progressivism, where bureaucrats make all the rules for us, like eggheads such as Dr. Fauci make all the rules for us. So he knows that he's going to win that if it's really just a battle between those competing values. But, of, but I don't think these are irreconcilable values. I think that everything we do in life involves some kind of risk, And the risk now from coronavirus with a vaccine out there, the risk now is, you could not find that risk with the smallest, most high powered microscope in the entire world. That is how infinitesimally small that risk is compared to plenty of other things that we do all day long. We get in our cars, we walk across the street. And so in that prudential judgment, that risk calculation you've got to make, it's not even close. But Dr. Fauci doesn't want to bring words like prudence into this, or he doesn't want to acknowledge the legitimacy of our political rights in this country to govern ourselves. Because look, he's just trying to keep us all safe. Just trying to keep us all safe. Come on, man. It's not going to be indefinite. You know, I got to tell you, I'm looking around, not just in our country, but countries around the world. It, it kind of looks like it's going to be indefinite. I'm looking up in Canada right now. Canada has essentially declared a public health regime that will suspend all political rights that in any way contradict the uh, caprices and whims of the experts.
1: We've implemented the strictest measures in all of North America. And the difficult truth is every public health measure we have left comes with a massive cost to people and their lives. But we have never shied away from doing what's necessary. We have made the deliberate decision to temporarily enhance police officers' authority for the duration of the stay at home order. Moving forward, police will have the authority to require any individual who is not in a place of residence to first provide their purpose for not being at home and provide their home address. Police will also have the authority to stop a vehicle, to inquire about an individual's reason for leaving their residence.
0: And our inspectors will also be ensuring that those who absolutely must come to work are strictly following the public health measures. For our employers and employees, take note. This is your last warning. This is the vision of the future. Eggheads, sitting in ill-fitting suits with their glasses on, perfectly straight face saying, hey, listen, society, this is your last warning. Stay imprisoned in your home or we will arrest you because of the cough that we said was only going to be a worry for two weeks, a year ago. If you do not comply with our every whim, your life will be ruined and your your political order has already been ruined because we now run the show you think that can't happen here this is it requires such a failure of imagination it requires such an ignorance of of not just ancient history but really the last 12 months to believe that what's going on in Canada right now cannot or even likely will not come to the united states Every political measure that we have been promised, two weeks to slow the spread, just got to flatten that curve. Oh, just got to find the cure. Every single promise that these people have made to us, they have broken. Every timeline they have given us has failed. It has only gotten more intense, more draconian. Looking around at the Anglo-Saxon peoples, you know, England, Australia, New Zealand, Canada, United States. Look what, look what our friends around the Anglosphere are doing. You don't think that's going to come here? The only way it doesn't come here is if we fight back very hard. If we exert all the political leverage that we have, it's already coming here. It's or, it's actually already coming here. Did you, did you see what's coming out of Oregon right now? Uh, Oregon is instituting a permanent mask order. Michael Wood, who is the administrator of the state's Department of Occupational Safety and Health, said that it is necessary to make a permanent, quote, permanent mask rule to keep current restrictions from expiring. And Michael Wood said, we're not out of the woods yet. Michael Wood says that it's like, it's so on the nose. It's so cartoonish. And yet that's what we're getting. Oregon won't be, won't be the last state to try something like this. They might be the last state to succeed, but they might not be the last, they they very likely won't be the last state to try something. I have spoken to putatively conservative public health officials who have, I've said, hey, are we ever going to get rid of these dumb masks? These filthy, undignified masks. And they'll tell me, well, you know, Michael, look, coronavirus, that'll go away at a certain point. But, uh, you know, look, it's kind of gross. Can you imagine we were all flying on airplanes in the past without masks? I, I can imagine that. I do that every time the stewardesses aren't looking. I take the mask down. Yes, I've, I can imagine that because I'm a human being and I don't want to muzzle myself because I have some modicum of self-respect or at least respect for our civilization. But you guys don't. <laughs> they, they surely don't have any, any respect for us. So the left is going to keep this up and try to make this permanent. But don't don't think that that is going to impose order on society. Don't think that just because they're going to exert a lot of control and lock everybody down and in Canada, they're going to threaten to arrest people if they leave their homes. Don't think that's going to make a more orderly society. It's going to make a more chaotic society because while the left locks down law abiding Americans who respect our political tradition, the left is also going to be permitting and even encouraging radicals and terrorists to go out in the streets and commit political violence. That's exactly what Maxine Waters just did. She instructed her followers to riot if Derek Chauvin, the cop in Minneapolis, is not convicted of murder, which is a very difficult case to make. There's really no evidence he committed murder. And if he is not convicted, Maxine Waters says, burn the country down
2: we've been fighting for so many years for reform 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 and so yes i would like to see the bill in congress pass on police reform but i know that the right wing the racists are opposed to it and i don't know what's going to happen to it but i know this we've got to stay in the street and we've got to we've got to demand justice we're looking for a guilty verdict we got to stay on the street uh, and we've got to get more active. we've got to get more confrontational. We've got to make sure that they th- they know that we mean business.
0: And there it is. there's the, that confrontational. So Maxine Waters has already in the past gotten in trouble for saying and she hasn't gotten in real trouble. she's just gotten a few bad headlines, but she never has actually held the consequence. She says, when you see Republicans, when you see people in this administration, you get in their face, you mob on them, you get up on, you go to their homes, right? So she's already saying that. What happened last year? People who tend to support Maxine Waters burned down the country, burned down private businesses, burned down government buildings, coast to coast. And now Maxine Waters is saying, we need to get more confrontational. More confrontational? What, what is more confrontational than that? Are you going to start releasing biological weapons? Are you going to start detonating nukes? Hard to get more confrontational than burning the country down. But that's what Maxine Waters is going to call for. And it's okay. Coronavirus isn't going to spread during those riots. Remember, that is what the liberal establishment told us last year. At the height of the coronavirus panic, at the height of the hysteria, a bunch of radical leftists led by Black Lives Matter and Antifa went out into the streets and we were told, no, that's fine. That doesn't spread coronavirus. Actually, it's good. There was a, a letter signed by over a thousand public public health officials, whatever that means, saying that, th- that if you went out to protest white supremacy, that was actually helping the coronavirus mitigation effort because You see, white supremacy is a a lethal public health threat. Meaningless words that are merely used as instruments to exert one's will—totally unreasonable will. The Anglo-Saxon political tradition tends to frown on street violence. The the Anglo-Saxon tradition, from which we get our political tradition, it tends to not look so kindly. On criminals running roughshod over the law in the streets. Maxine Waters loves criminals and street violence. She loves it, she's encouraging it, and she's been encouraging it for a long time. Which way are you gonna go, America? Those those are the two choices. And it's it's not even enough that the street criminal side of the political question is winning. It's that even the putatively conservative Republican leaders are giving cover to the street violence people and attacking their own side. That they'll, you know, they'll fight back a little bit. They'll try to against the street violence people. But really, they spend most of their energy going after the people who want to conserve that political tradition. The left is not even content overthrowing the the whole political order. Obviously, they want to do that. They've wanted to do that for a long time. They've written extensively about that. The left wants to overthrow nature itself. There's a line that Kennedy used to quote, John F. Kennedy. He would say, this is supposed to be a great inspiration. He'd say, some people see things that are and say, why? I dream things that never were and say, why not? And he acknowledged he got this line from George Bernard Shaw. What he didn't know is that the the line from Shaw comes from this play cycle back to Methuselah, and the line actually comes from the mouth of the serpent tempting Eve in the Garden of Eden. The line that that Shaw is giving here, that Kennedy is quoting, and a lot of Democrats have quoted since then, is the the language of the devil. We need total delusion. We need to embrace delusion. Well, that is what the left is doing in human nature, not just among consenting adults but even among children in a really disturbing case out of Texas. There's a 10-year-old boy in Texas. He just spoke before the Texas State Senate. He spoke to them regarding Bill 1646. This is a bill that acknowledges that it is child abuse to chemically castrate children and give them trans sex hormones and mutilate their bodies to make little boys look more like little girls. So this little boy testifies before the, the committee. I hesitated even to play this clip, uh, but it's, it's really out there. It's obviously very, very public already. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to blur the kid's face and I'm not going to refer to the kid's name because his mother is obviously abusing him. Uh, listen to his testimony to see how far the country's gotten.
3: Hello. My name is Um, I love ballet, math, science, and geology. I spend my free time with my cats, chickens, FaceTiming my friends, and dreaming of when I will finally meet Dolly Parton. I do not like spending my free time asking adults to make good choices. I've been having to explain myself since I was three or four years old. Texas legislators have been attacking me since pre-K. I am in fourth grade now. When it comes to bills that target trans youth, I immediately feel angry. It's been very scary and overwhelming. It just, it makes me sad that some politicians use trans kids like me to get votes from people who hate me just because I exist. God made me. God loves me for who I am, and God does not make mistakes. My mom has been giving everything she has to stand up for me.
0: Wow, there and there it is. We, you can listen to the, you, you can listen to the rest of this if you want to. I suspect you don't, but you hear that line. My mom has been so wonderful, and there, there it is. If you didn't already know from the first part of this that this poor little boy is being horrifically abused by his mother, you, you get it there. I, I don't believe that the boy came up with these lines on his own. Of course, of course he didn't. And uh, the, this rehearsed sort of caricature of, of what a woman is that he is performing. I don't think this was an invention of his own. I think this was put into his head, obviously. The idea that he's been trying to convince adults of, of reality since he was three years old is obviously not true. Three-year-olds don't convince anybody of anything because three-year-olds don't know anything because they're, they're very little. uh, Does that still count as a toddler? I don't know. I'm not really familiar with all the various designations. You're a very, very little kid when you're three years old. And this kid's pervert mother decided that she wanted to have a little daughter instead of a little son. And so she dressed him up like a little daughter and and now she has him trotted out protesting a law that would prevent him from being mutilated and castrated. That woman should be in prison she should not be permitted around children ever. A just society would would acknowledge that and codify that into law. But we no longer have the ability to do that because on the left, you've got them actively pushing for this stuff to trans the kids and castrate little boys. And on the right, the, the best that we can muster is, well, you know, not until he's 18. Well, you know, look, I might not agree with it, but you know, look, it's freedom, you know, well, you know, that's the, that's basically the best that I'm I'm not talking about you people who listen to this show. (laughs) I'm not talking about our friends here who obviously have a more sophisticated view of this, but I'm talking about the Republican leadership. Broadly speaking, they don't want to get into it. They just want to let the left run roughshod over the culture, even if it means mutilating little boys. Freedom. We would have a freer country if that kid's mother were in prison and people like her. We would have a freer country if we recognized limits to vice and licentiousness and evil, evil acts like castrating little kids. If we if we took the freedom, if we took the the ability of these people to do these sorts of things away from them, we would have a freer country because liberty, of course, requires limitations and licentiousness and liberty are not synonyms, but we, we're not not allowed to acknowledge limits anymore. George W. Bush, former president George W. Bush, just came out. He's got a new book out about immigrants and he painted all these pictures of immigrants and he said, America, we've got to be nicer to immigrants.
3: Do you want to be involved in the immigration yeah, discussion? Yeah, I do in
2: a way, in a way. I don't want to be prescriptive. I don't want to, you know, tell Congress how to do this or that. I do want to say to Congress, Please put aside all the harsh rhetoric about immigration. Please put aside trying to score political points on either side. I I hope I can help set a tone that is more respectful about the immigrant, which may lead to reform of the system.
0: That's it, you know, and at this point, the host cuts in and says, you know, you, President Bush, you'll remember what you used to say, all these wonderful things uh, on immigration. She plays the
2: clip.
3: You gave an Oval Office address on immigration. I
2: did. These are not contradictory goals. America can be a lawful society and a welcoming society at the same time. There it is. And so there, there is the
0: line, right? And he says, that's right. I did. (laughs) That's right. You got me. The meaning of that, of course, is that If you can be a lawful society and a welcoming society, what he's really saying is we can, through the law, massively expand our immigration system. Yes, of course, that's what Democrats want to do. And that's what liberal Republicans want to do. But my question is, can we be a lawful society and be a little bit less welcoming? That's what, that's what the immigration restrictionists want to do. Because right now we take in about 2 million people a year, way, 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 way more than any other country on earth, way, way, way more than we can handle. You can see the culture crumbling all around us because of these problems of diversity without any unity, (laughs) diversity without any assimilation. So can we just maybe cool it down a little bit like the majority of Americans want to do? Are we allowed to do that? And the answer, of course, according to these guys, according to George Bush and according to the Democrats is no. Some uh, some Democrats now are trying to pass this around saying, look, even George W. Bush holds a liberal position. Yes, the Bush family has represented the liberal wing of the Republican Party since 1952. You have Jeb, who says illegal immigration is an act of love. You have George W. Bush, who says he's a compassionate conservative, more compassionate than whom? George H.W. Bush says he wants a kindler, gentler conservatism, kindler, gentler than whom? Ronald Reagan was the implication. And Prescott Bush, the the grandfather is a former US senator who was the first treasurer of Planned Parenthood. They've always represented the liberal wing. Can we have a conservative voice anywhere, anywhere, the GOP, anywhere, this new caucus that s- some congressmen were going to make? It, can we have it anywhere in this country? I hope so. I think we can take our political rights back in our political tradition, which derives from an Anglo-Saxon tradition. I don't think that it is inevitable that we be governed by, by sort of neoliberal progressive Republicans like George W. Bush, or by progressive technocrats like Dr. Fauci. I think there is a a chance that we can take our political rights back, apply reason, and govern ourselves. But who's going to support us in that effort? Or are we perhaps going to have to do it ourselves? I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. See you tomorrow. Supervising Producers, Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Production Manager, Pavel Vidovsky. Editor and Associate Producer, Danny D'Amico. Audio Mixer, Mike Coramina, Hair and Makeup by Nika Geneva. And Production Coordinator, McKenna Waters. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2021. Outrage over a plan by some congressional Republicans to form a caucus dedicated to preserving our Anglo-Saxon political traditions A high-profile Democrat commits jury tampering and incitement The mother of a quote trans boy goes viral, but the video proves the opposite of the point that it's supposed to prove And millions of Americans will cling on to their masks even after they're vaccinated because for them It's become nothing more than a security blanket. We'll talk about that and much more today on the Matt Walsh show